we could all just take a seat. So I'd like us to just spend a minute or so, just if you could just shut your eyes. And I just want us to take in just some, some deep breaths. So breathing in the Holy Spirit, breathing out anything that isn't of God. So eyes closed, just a few deep breaths, breathing the Holy Spirit in, breathing out anything that isn't of God. Thank you, God, that we get to spend today with you. Thank you that you are bigger than big. Amen. Great. So I'm going to be talking about El Shaddai. Um, This is actually a picture from my honeymoon. I thought, you know, get a little slideshow in there. (laughs) Uh, So I went to Whistler in Canada. So this is one of the mountains that we could see from our apartment. So... Um, I'd heard of El Shaddai before, but I wasn't, I wasn't really sure what it, was, what it meant. So, you know, I did, I Googled it, as I think most people would these days, just, you know, Google it and see what comes up. Um, and it came up with quite a lot of meanings and translations. Uh, it can mean the following things. So it can mean the Lord God Almighty, which I think Debbie was talking about. It can mean the one who provides nourishment. It can mean sustainer, God of the wilderness, God of the mountains can probably guess which one I went for. <laughs> um, it wasn't really obvious when I first started looking at it. Um, so I did some research, made a nice page of colourful notes, and then decided to leave it a few days. And it wasn't until I was out running. I haven't done a lot of running recently, so it was tough. There was a small hill, but it felt like a much bigger hill because of my fitness level. So I was kind of huffing and puffing up this hill. And I really felt God say, you need to focus on God of the mountains. And then, as you can see by the picture, I went to Canada and thought, yes, God of the mountains is definitely the definition that I should focus on. God really helped me up that hill. It was still a struggle, but I definitely felt him with me as I was running. And it's not the only time that God has helped me through a physically demanding situation. Um, In 2016, I went on a 20-day road trip around the Highlands in Scotland. Um, It was was a a wonderful, wonderful trip. And one day, I was like, I really want to go on a walk up a mountain. But I'm on my own. So I asked for some recommendations uh, from the youth hostel I was staying in. And they said, this walk is, is fine. It'll be safe for you to go on your own. So I trusted their recommendation. I went off with my rucksack, my midge spray. I thought I was all ready for it. And about an hour into the walk, I was using both my hands and my feet to climb. And I thought, I'm not so sure about this. I'm feeling, feeling a little bit unsafe, but I think going back is going to be more dangerous than going forward. So I decided I'm just going to have to go. I'm just going to have to go for it and carry on walking. I also didn't have any phone signal. So I was in the wilderness in Scotland climbing, no phone signal. It felt, it felt quite scary at points, but I prayed. At points I stopped and said to God, I really, really want to get back from this walk. I'd really like to, to not, not be left here on a mountainside. And as you can see, 
I made it back safely. And it was, it was an amazing walk. I didn't see another person for four hours. It was really peaceful when I wasn't panicking about getting back. But God really helped me through that. Um, and I'm really thankful that I got to have an amazing walk and I got to get back safely. And God really does sustain us when we are struggling, whether it is physically, emotionally, or mentally. He is there for us in all of those situations. And he provides. uh, He provides in the valleys when things are really hard, and he provides on the mountaintops when things are really great, and we can see all of the beautiful scenery. He is there in every situation. And I think uh, Ecclesiastes 3.6 so the whole of that bit of Ecclesiastes is good, but kind of I've picked a bit out. So a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away. So whether it is a searching time or a time to give up, he is with us. Whether it is on the mountaintop or in the valley, whatever we are going through, God is with us. He is provider. He is sustainer. However, I'm just going to use a little analogy. Hands up if you know what Amazon Prime is. I just wanted to double check. I think most people do. So it's a feature of Amazon where you can do lots of different things. But the main thing I'm going to focus on is the fact that you can get free one-day delivery on kind of pretty much anything you can think of. I mean, Amazon has, I think, groceries even. It's got like the biggest range of things I've seen. So Amazon Prime is great, but God is not Amazon Prime. So he does provide for us. But we can't type in what we want into the search bar and get our order the next day. We might ask for something, and it might be months, years, before we see it happen. Um, uh, My husband, Andrew, and I started looking for a house in June this year, and we had a lot of disappointments. We had three or four houses that we didn't even get to see. We booked an appointment, and then we got a phone call in the morning saying, I'm really sorry, but the house is already gone. And some of them just seemed so perfect. And I was so disappointed when we couldn't even see the house. Um, And then probably about a month into looking, we got an amazing house. And the house that we've now got is so much better than I could have ever imagined. So we were looking at two-bedroom terrace houses. And for the same price, we've got a four-bedroom detached house with a great garden. It's a great location. It's in Tile Hill, really close. And, you know, if you'd have told me a couple of months ago, you're going to get this great, great house, I would have thought, nah, it's not going to happen. It's really hard to get houses in Canley, or, to, you know, we're not going to get it. So I was really thankful that he provided in a way that I really wasn't expecting. And then going back to our Bible verse, there are lots and lots of ways that God provides. Um, and Sarah and Abraham is a great way. And he did, God did some really amazing things for them. So God promised Abraham that he would have a great nation and a great big family made up of as many people as the stars in the sky. He also promised that out of his, this great family would come one who would be a rescuer, the saviour of the world. But there was a problem. Sarah couldn't have children. It must have seemed pretty impossible to be a father, a, a great... Um, Have a great big family if your wife can't have children. Many years passed and there was still no child on the horizon. 
And Abraham and Sarah got really tired of waiting and they thought, right, I'm going to sort this out myself. As I'm sure a lot of us do, we get tired of waiting. We think, right, no, I'm going to take things into my own hands. Um, And Abraham was like, right, I'm going to get another wife, going to get an extra wife. This is definitely going to solve all my problems. So Abraham took Hagar as a second wife and she got pregnant and gave birth to a son named Ishmael. And it kind of looked like everything was sorted. They must have been like, finally, we've got a child. Not quite in the way we expected, but great, we've got a child. But it wasn't sorted. Ishmael was not the child God had promised. Instead, they had to wait a bit longer. And Isaac, Sarah had Isaac, and he was the child that they had been promised. But Sarah was 91, around 91 when she had that child, which I can't quite imagine starting a family at 91. It must have seemed very strange to them. But after all those years, God came through and he provided for them. He gave them what he had promised. And I'm sure for Sarah and Abraham, it was a really hard wait. I think waiting a couple of months seems like a long time. I can't imagine, you know, 40, 50, 60 years of waiting. Um, I definitely don't have the patience that Sarah and Abraham had. But hopefully, God will grow that in me. He always comes through, though. Not in the way that we expect, but he comes through for us. And he was there in the tough time in the valley when they had no children. And he was there when they got to the mountaintop of having Isaac. So I want us to think about in our lives some of the times when God has come through. When things have seemed like we're in the bottom of the valley and there is no hope of reaching the top. But he comes through and we get up there. So if I could have the next slide. Uh, so I'm going to give you about, I'm going to say five minutes. I want you to think about how has God provided and turned your struggles into celebrations? So my struggle of not getting the house turned into my celebration of getting a much better house than I could ever have imagined. Um, you've got whiteboards and bits of paper, so feel free to make some notes or you can discuss it with the people next to you. So five minutes to think about how is God El Shaddai? How has he turned your struggles into your celebrations? How has he come through and provided? So I'll give you a little one-minute warning when it's time. Oh, I was like... 
I was like, you know, they harass you to pick a charity. I was looking, I, I finally gave in. Because I, I, Nikki's not really reluctant to give money to charity. But, but Did you say you don't need money from Nikki? No, it's just like, every time I go on Amazon, it's like, did you know that you can get, we can donate money to charity for you? And it's like, Amazon okay. smiles. Yeah. Thinks and I was like, okay, well, maybe I can get them to give it to church. And then church wasn't on that, so I was like, no. Okay, I'm going to ask you. Yeah, sure. Were they like conglomerate charities? No, there were. I mean, it was big ones, but also there were some smaller, smaller local ones. Yes. Right. So, am I drawing a mountain? Is that? You can draw a mountain. It's up to you. This is just a like a guide. It's a very curved mountain. This is this is like the the fake peak, and then you think, okay. oh, God's God's got me through my struggles. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's great, that's great. <laughs> I don't really know what that says about what you believe about God, but I'm not sure. Like, goodness in the land of the living, just. Like, maybe we need to have a chat about body parts. The problem is, I can die. So, can you guys think of any times like recently? I'm not 
the other thing is to take less time so therefore we just go pay for the picture. Yeah. Yeah. That's not. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? Kate, you have about one more minute. And as Karenza pointed out, it is a teacher's five minute. So maybe not entirely accurate. Okay. Great. So if we could bring our conversations and our scribbles to an end. I just felt that God said to me to open it up. Would anyone like to share any stories of struggles turned into celebrations? Would anyone, anyone like to share? I'm not going to do the like staring at people until someone comes up. I'm just... Vince? Come on up. I'm even going to let you hold the microphone. I'm going to be that. Yeah. Although if it goes over 10 minutes, I might, might take it off you. So, what is it now? 10, no, not quite. Seven years ago, I decided I wanted to join the British Army. And I felt like God was saying, yes, that is where you're supposed to go. And it didn't happen at all. Um, I got medically deferred, and at the time, the age limit for joining as an officer was about three months after my medical deferral came up, so that was just not going to happen. I went off, I got a job that I hated, and I put up with it because it was a job and I had money-ish. And My brother suggested that I look at the reserves because he was a reservist at the time and, you know, why not? So I did. And in so doing, discovered that the age limit for army officer had been put up for two years. So I had until I was 28 to join. And I thought, that's great. I'll go go for that. In the process, I lost my job at Barclays and found that having no money meant I needed to do something quickly. And I went through the soldier route with the reserves because that was going to give me two and a half grand of joining bonuses. And, hey, I didn't have a job, so there was nothing standing in the way. So I did, and it was great. Um, In that, there were lots of moments where carrying heavy weights, I'm sitting there going, oh, I'm so dead. And rather than, as I always have done in life, going, oh, I'm so dead, I'm just... I can't do this. I ended up in my head singing Psalm 23. And I would always find, as soon as that started going, oh, oh, I've got loads of strength. I can run up this mountain now, Um, which was great. And 
I came back from that with an injury, which sucked. And about the time when that injury cleared up and I was ready to go for officer selection, Emma got ill. And that shelved everything. And that was not going to happen. So I kind of gave up on becoming an officer. And then Emma's cancer just disappeared. It took a long time, but it just went. And I went back to the army. I was like, okay, I I think I'm in a position now when I can look at leaving Emma for a couple of weeks to go away for training. And my lieutenant said, well, you do realise that you're still in the bracket for regulars. No, I'm not. It's 28. I won't get through in time. No, I think you'll find it's 29. And if you're a serving soldier, it's 30. So tomorrow, I go off for my officer selection. And I not only have plenty of time to prepare because my old job which was getting in the way decided that it didn't want to get in the way anymore and I'm now basically a full time reservist because the army is awesome Um, but I've got selection tomorrow I then go away with the regulars for two months working full time carrying ridiculously heavy weights and running around jumping out of tanks, which is great fun. I'll come back from that for my main board of selection, and I have three available entries for Sandhurst, which about a year, a year and a half ago looked like was never going to happen. And it just feels like everything is slotting into place. And I may be 30 when I get there, and I may have to shave my head because I'm losing my hair and I don't want to be called Grandad. (laughs) And I'm going to be called Grandad anyway. But I've waited all this time hearing, oh, well, Jesus was 30 when he started his ministry, and Joseph was 30 when he started doing anything of value, and this person was 30 when they started doing anything of value. And it's... I'm a very impatient person. I didn't want to be 30, because that's too old. But now it's just (laughs) all falling into place. And I'm now going to be... I'm now fitter and stronger than I've ever been, thinking that it was really hard to get fit again once I turned 26. (laughs) And just everything seems to be coming through because I've waited patiently. Thank you so much for sharing that, Vince. That was a really great and really encouraging story. And I'm turning 30 next year, so I hear it's a great age to be 30. We've probably got time for like one or two more stories if anyone would like to share. No? That is absolutely fine. So what are we going to do now? We're just going to do a little bit of praying for each other. So hands up if you are starting something new in September. So new job, new school, um, and a new house. So anything new. So my hand is up because I'm starting a new job, at, a new part-time job at a school tomorrow. Okay, so if, if you're starting something new, if you could stand up. 
So anything new at all, even if it's something small. So if you're starting something new, take a stand. Great, so we're just going to spend a few minutes praying for the people that are starting something new. And then we're going to switch round and we're going to pray for the rest of you. So for God to be in kind of the everyday in the things that are still the same. So out loud, as you feel led, praying for the people around you that are starting something new.